What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Essential Eleven. As always, brought to you by Acton Academy, Acton Academy Placer, Apogee Strong, and our partners over at Discover Praxis. Check out that link below. Praxis is doing amazing things. It is my favorite post-high school opportunity for young people. You know, so check them out at discoverpraxis.com. Let them know you found them uh, via The Essential Eleven, and you have $1,000 off uh, for your young hero to go on their next great adventure. Our guest today is a gentleman by the name of Jeff Hoffman. Maybe you don't know the name right from the get-go, but I can tell you this, it is a bucket list guest for me. You know everything that he has done. This man is an Emmy Award winner, Grammy Award winner, philanthropist, a startup CEO, founder, world-changing extraordinaire. The man's amazing. You know everything that he has done. Or he might not know everything he's done, but you know a lot of things he's done. And uh, there is so much wisdom shared here. It is ridiculous. You'll see exactly why he is a bucket list guest for me, somebody that has changed my life. And uh, I think this hour will help do the same for you. So please welcome Mr. Jeff Hoffman. There is that handsome gentleman. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Where are you today? So I am in... One of three Acton Academy campuses I own here in Roseville, California. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, where are you? In Florida. You Central are in Florida. Florida. Okay. Very nice. So, um, I have, uh, I mean, I, the Acton Academies, I know you are familiar with the Acton Academy. Uh, and I actually had somebody, a young lady that I believe you were mentoring who just graduated from... He's the first high school student to graduate from Austin. From from the West Austin campus. Yep, that's yeah. right. And she actually interviewed with some friends of mine out here about a, a, a potential position and things too. So phenomenal young lady. Yeah, that's Carissa. And I've been out there uh, with Jeff and spent a couple of days to see the campus. That's awesome. Yeah, I love to, I love to hear that. So, um, you know, I want to make sure I give you context on, on what we're doing here, but I got kind of a funny story uh, around that too. So, you know, so I own three here in, in uh, Northern California. So we got the Roseville okay. campus. We're launching Sacramento campus and Lincoln campus as well. Um, and then myself, Jeff, uh, a few of us are part of kind of the governance council for Acton's uh, around the world, right? Um, so we've got this, and then we've, of course, started Apogee, which is our, our mentorship program for young men. And so mm-hmm. we've got young men here from all over the world um, who are joining us and are going to get to ask uh, questions directly. So all these really good things. I've got to tell you, a big part of this, meaning what we are doing here at these campuses, is thanks to you. You, Jeff Hoffman, um, and you have no idea that that's even the case, but it is. I went down to a, uh, a BYEB event in 2016, yep. so Hal Elrod's deal down in San Diego. Of course. Yep, and far and away, the most impactful part of that, and it was a great weekend. It was a phenomenal time, phenomenal people. The most impactful part for me was listening to you and, and chatting with you uh, for the brief moment that we got to connect. That was where I was going, hey, I'm, I'm going here. I want to launch these, you know, this Acton Academy here in Northern California, uh, and I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to do it, but here we go. And your your talk in well, particular for me was That is so cool, impactful. man. Yep. So we had the largest launch of any Acton in history. We have the largest number of students of any Actons in the network um, and, and are just able to have this impact around the globe. And so that's a huge thanks to you. So it's cool to be able to get to tell you that in person. 
Well, thank you, man. You just made my day. Well, good. Well, you made our day for for joining us, man. So super, super appreciative. How are you feeling, by the way? Because I know you were you're getting over some. Yeah, some no, I was under the weather for the first time in years and years. Yeah. I haven't been sick in years, so I wasn't really sick. I think I just got like a bad cold. Yeah. Uh, but it was enough that the that it, it just knocked me down for a few days. Or it was the sore throat, right? I I, I just couldn't yeah. do this yeah. or anything like this for yeah, a few totally. days with the sore throat. But it's all good now. It's all gone. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Well, I got to tell you, I told my mom that you were coming on, and she. So here's so my so my mom's maiden name is Hoffman, and uh, oh and okay, I, and I've got a cousin named Jeff. So I said, Mom. I said, I'm excited. And I forgot all about that, to be honest. And I said, Mom, I said, Jeff Hoffman, I'm uh, going to get to chat with him this week. And she's like, oh, my gosh, your cousin Jeff will be such a great guest. And I'm like, nope, that's not it at all. <laughs> Jeff, so he's a great guy, but that's not who I want to talk to. So, no, we're super, <laughs> super, uh, super pumped to have you, man. So, um, you know, we've got all these young people we are listening to. The Essential yeah, 11 is, yeah. oh, it's the best, man. And, and the Essential 11 was all born out of superstars yourself, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and Patrick Bet David and and Seth Godin and all of these rock stars that are just kind of doing this tribe of mentors style answering questions for young people. And it's just been phenomenal. Um, but I'd love to start with just kind of Jeff Hoffman as a young man. Like who were you as this young before you were the Jeff Hoffman? Um, what did what did growing up look like for you and kind of your uh, origin story, if you will? Sure. Uh, so I actually grew up kind of in the middle of nowhere in Arizona, um, uh, in the desert, uh, single mom, four kids. My mom always worked two or three jobs, um, because she was always just trying to, you know, just, just actually what I found out later, what she was really trying to do, Matt, was keep us in the same school zone. We just didn't know that oh, at wow. the time. Right. If we'd known she was working two or three jobs just to keep us near a school she thought would be better for us, we would have told her you didn't need to kill yourself to do that. Yeah. But that's what it was. So I uh, grew up with really nothing, didn't care, right? Was never, my mom was never focused on what you don't have. It's always being thankful for what you do have in life. Right. Um, but even though this entrepreneur word that I sort of live by now uh, was not a word I ever knew, um, I was always out doing something, and and the real reason was I didn't want to bother my mom. She was working so hard, and like I played every sport growing up: football, baseball, basketball. And the season would change, and now I need new cleats for football. And I don't really want to go ask my mom for money for new football shoes because uh, I know how tough things are. So instead, I would go down the street in the Arizona sun, and I would ask people. Can I mow your lawn? Can I clean your garage? Can I haul out your trash? Is there anything you don't really want to do that I could do for you for money? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that way I never had to bother my mom, right? So I would just go down the street knocking on doors, finding things to do that people would pay me for. Um, and then I'd just go buy my own shoes and uh, so that I never had to bother her. But I have to say that sort of created this relationship between what you want in life and how hard you're willing to work for it. No doubt. Um, and the fact that nobody can stop you from doing what you want to do. Because mm. those were my things. So I'll just sort of say that even went all the way to college uh, because I went to a big public school where a lot of people didn't even go necessarily to college. Um, but I wanted to go to a, uh, I had a big college dream of a school I wanted to go to that my counselor, my high school counselor told me, kids like you don't go to places like that. Isn't that a great counselor? Oh, said those um, words to you, huh? 
That's actually what she said. I wanted to go to Yale. And like I said, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. And she's like, kids like you don't go to places like Yale or Harvard or whatever. You wow. Know. Uh, she wouldn't even fill out the paperwork initially because she just thought I was wasting my time. Anyway, long wow. story short, I did wow. get in there, but we had no money. And when I got there, like the first day of class, I basically got called in and kicked out. They said, well, you haven't paid the bill. You can't go to school without paying for school, which is fair enough. They weren't, you know, totally agree with that. Um, but I started my first real company the second day of college because I couldn't go to class. Anyway, wow. so I started a little company and I wound up funding my entire uh, Yale degree. I graduated in four years. I paid for it and funded it myself by starting a little software company in the basement wow. uh, of the campus, um, which I wasn't supposed to be doing. But anyway, how cool is that? That's kind of how I grew up. If you want something, then go go get it. I love it, man. Like, don't ask people to do something for you. Just go find a way to do it. That's it. You're the one who wants it, not them. That's uh, it. So that was kind of my guiding principle all the way up through college. Unreal. So I mean that. I mean that to me sounds like a, this DNA thing too. I mean you're sitting here going, okay, as a young man, I don't want to, I don't want to burden my mom. I'm going to go ahead and just figure out a way to get all that. I mean, do you had, did you have any? I mean, your mom is obviously this prime example of somebody who is going to yeah. work for what she wants. I mean, she really, she really is. Is so was that kind of your first real mentor, even if it was just you know really kind of by example? Um, yeah, no, for for sure. Because yeah. the other thing, my mom used to say all the time was never why. It was always why not. Uh, if I was like concerned that I wasn't good enough for whatever, I want to try out for a sports team or I want to pursue something academically, whatever. And I would always, you know, if I came in with doubt, she would say, wait, why not you? Why are you, why wouldn't, why couldn't you do that? So she always started with the core assumption that you can and, you know, uh, let, if, if the, if the world talks you out of it, if you try and you fail, that's okay. Mm. But not trying because you didn't think you could do something is not okay. It's not okay. So yeah, she was a great mentor in that her immediate assumption was always, yeah, you can probably do that. Let's go try. God bless her, man. That I wish there was more people that that counselor could surely take a, uh, a page out of her book, huh? Goodness. You want to hear something funny? Many, many years later. Um, every year they would pick a distinguished alumni from the high school I went to. They'd have one person come back every year as a guest. And this was later after, uh, you know, after we'd launched uh, successful companies, you know, as part of a couple of companies that became multi-billion dollar companies. And then we did the music company and I, I won a Grammy and then we did our TV stuff and won an Emmy and, this was all after all that crap, all that stuff later. Yeah. Uh, and I got called back to be the student uh, that came in as the distinguished alumni. And uh, she showed up that day. She was long retired. Uh, but I was standing up there speaking and looking out over the audience because they invite parents in the community. Yeah. And the counselor was in the audience. Of course, she doesn't remember any of it that way. No doubt. <laughs> but I was like, wow, is that you? So I actually spoke to her from the stage. That's I, what I did instead was I just thanked her for her help, even though she didn't really give me much. In fact, I don't know if you guys can see behind me, there's something I wrote on my wall of sayings. It says, upgrade your haters to VIP. There you go. Oh, um, I love that. You, you don't ever go back to people and say, I told you so. You don't ever do anything like that. If you got doubters, non-believers, haters, in the end, when you become successful and they ask you for something, up, just upgrade them. 
Uh, that's the best revenge you can get is success. So I love that. That came, by the way, because when I went to start my music company, everybody said, dude, you're a software guy. You're an engineer. I was, it was the same story, Matt. Jeff, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You don't know what you're doing. You're a tech guy. You're not a music guy, blah, blah, blah. And then later, we were doing concerts at the time, and we were doing uh, pop. We did uh, concerts and tours with NSYNC and Britney Spears right. and Backstreet Boys and Beyonce and all that stuff. And all my friends would call, dude, can we get tickets to the show? And I'd be like, really? The show that every one of you said would never happen yeah. because yeah. I'm not good enough yeah. and it'll never work. And I yep. was like, I, and I was telling the story to some young people like we have today. And someone said, I hope you didn't give them tickets because none of them believed in you. And now they want tickets to your show. And they said, I hope you didn't give them tickets. Did you? I said, not only did I give them tickets, but I upgraded them all to VIP. There's not a, a better thing when they're standing backstage and someone said, how'd you get a backstage pass? And they have to say, Jeff gave it to me. That's You're like, it. really? The guy that you used to make fun of and say wasn't good enough, he gave you a backstage pass. So wow. that's what that story and is it's about. The ultimate, it's the ultimate humble pie, but it allows you to just stay in that, that gratitude stratosphere, you know, yes. and just You've always... Happy. Take the high road. Always yes, be sir. thankful for what you have and don't worry about anybody else. Yeah, that, that integrity piece. Oh, I, I love that. And the gratitude even towards that counselor, just the gratitude of, you know what, and maybe you did help me. Maybe you did help me by by uh, adding a little fuel to the fire, even if it yeah, was just true. for a day, right? You know, I mean, that's just Absolutely. so much gratitude there. And it's and it's the ultimate, you're right, that that success is the ultimate um, response to those people who would say, you know, the, the current term, I think, is just, hey, stay in your lane. And everybody wants to say, stay in your lane. And well, why, why not me why why not why not me in this lane you know uh, that's so cool man i love that would so you've got all, all you know you, you start this company to be able to found uh or you found this company to be able to to fuel you to go through yale and you're able to uh to to pay the way with that what are your takes on kind of the current college situation too and what that looks like and i and i and you know this is a, again kind of a loaded question but i really just want to hear kind of um your sure. thoughts on school now and kind of where it goes knowing that obviously i've started acting so i believe in this you know different model i got to work with um you know dennis prager and adam carolla on uh, our no safe spaces film and, and talking about some of the some of the agendas they get pushed in college but what do you think in terms of just pure need the academic portion of that as it relates to how the world is actually working today. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you, you know, it, it's broken. The old model is probably a hundred years old, the educational model, and no one's really done much to it. No one meaning the existing educational system. So uh, I, I don't think it works the way it is. It clearly has some merits, but it doesn't prepare you for the world. Mm. I had a, uh, a funny experience. And, you know, that's why uh, when I first heard about Acton, why I went to Austin for a couple of days mm -hmm. when Jeff called because I, I wanted to see a different model because um, the current model just doesn't work. Uh, we don't have enough blend of reality and learning to think the way the world really operates, not the, the, the school, the old school lecture way mm -hmm. where it's about lectures and tests uh, just doesn't reflect reality uh, very well. And you know, pushing every student into some channel that you're telling them they should be interested in instead of finding out what people's real hero's journey is, right? What they really care about. Yes, um, sir. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I've worked with a lot of uh, 
Uh, and as you know, I mentor some, yes, uh, as we talked about earlier, some acting students. Um, yes, sir. Uh, but uh, I, I have long worked with a lot of kind of new models of education and more innovative ones from uh, universities, like uh, one that I support called Watson University, which is kind of an, a four-year entrepreneurial degree. Um, and it's a, they just started their own university uh, to focus more on people building something I love Instead that. of just passively listening in a classroom, yes, sir. It's about applying your knowledge to actually doing something useful in the world. I love it. Um, and you know that, that I, I think, Matt, that's kind of my biggest thing is that we need more problem solvers. Right. Acquiring knowledge in school and then doing absolutely nothing with it is a complete waste of everybody's time. Correct. It's certainly yours. Applying things you've learned to making something in the world better is mm -hmm. the whole reason to learn. Yes, sir. Right, so that you can constantly adjust and improve, improve things around you. Um, and so applied knowledge, you can't get in a classroom only setting. You have to be more engaged with the world in different ways. Experiential learning is a big thing. That's it. Right, I have, uh, by the way, the sister of the girl that we were talking about, the her younger sister that's at Acton just a, out in Texas, sent me a note asking me, she said, is there, I talked to my parents, is there any way I could just come shadow you on the road for a couple of days just to see what you actually do in life, right? And what is a typical day? What are your meetings like? What things do you work on and think about, right? She's like, I need to get out of here and go out in the real world and just see what, what people like you, I'm just an example, but what people like you actually do during the day so I can kind of formulate my plan for what I want to do with my life. So I love that she just reached out and her parents said, we love to do a little job shadowing oh. thing. Um, that experience is the stuff that I was getting by myself, no help from the school. That's right. In the basement running my company. And then I leave campus to go visit my customers. So I was in class while I was in school, but I was out in the world because I had my little business. That's right. And I was having to deal with real world stuff that no one taught me. One last thing I got to tell you oh, that, that really made me think of it. I, uh, I only had one corporate job. I got an engineering job when I got my engineering degree, but I hated it every day. I just hated it. Um, and that's a DNA thing entirely. Yeah. We're not talking about, there's no right or wrong. Yep. Every one of you young people should do what's in your heart, right? Yep. Not what anyone else is telling you. So it's not right or wrong, but I couldn't do the big company job, the corporate world. And I just hated it every day. And I only did it for a short time and I quit. And uh, when I was, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, well, you know what, I'll come back to that. I was just gonna kind of talk about, well, but let oh, me tell you the story I'm gonna tell you. I, I was started my first company, I'm only 20 something years old, right? Young, I only had one job right out of school and it didn't work. And so now I've started a company um, and I, uh, uh, am, I've hired three people, my first three employees. And I think they're all actually older than me, right? Cause I'm only like, you know, early 20. Sure. And one day the third, one of the three employees runs in my office. He goes, Jeff, you come down the hall. I said, what's up? And he said, the other two employees are arguing and I think they're gonna fight. Oh gosh. Right? So I'm running down the hall and all of a sudden I stop and I say, wait a minute, what do you want me to do? He said, I don't know, dude, it's your company. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he said, well, break up the argument. And I said, well, I have no, how to, no idea how to settle an argument. Sure. And he's like, well, you better learn fast. We're, all, we're like gonna be there in 10 seconds. And I started thinking that despite the fact that in school I learned how to compute the square root of a number, 
Not once did anyone ever pull up to my office, get out of their car and come in and say, hi, Mr. Hoffman, I'd like to hire you to compute the square root of a number. That's right. That was never a skill that I needed. That's right. In my life. But you know what? Resolving disagreements with difficult people. Dang, I wish someone had taught me that class. Yes, sir. Because I sure needed that. I had no soft skills. Yes, sir. Right? None of the soft skills of how to deal with humans in the world. Yep. Um, they didn't exist where I went to school and that was killing me in business. So I remember that day thinking the skills I need, a lot of the skills I need, I was never, ever taught. That's right. And it, it falls back on that, you know, quote unquote authority figure in your, in your conventional system to go in and mitigate, to make sure that some of those experiences, like you said, that applied, you know, the, the applied learning, the applied experiences to, to gain what, um, you know, Naval calls kind of that unique, specific knowledge. Those things are mm. actually truncated with that conventional system because you've got that authority figure who is trained just to bring that system into perpetuity. And so the students Absolutely. miss out. They miss out on those exact things. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I fully get that. So powerful. So and I love and I want to thank you, too, for being open to uh, having that young hero be able to come shadow with you. I think that is just such a powerful it's a powerful thing. And that's one of the things that I love the most about that act and, uh, you know, kind of the, the act and model, if you will. Um, what would you say? This is one of the questions that uh, we gain from the essential 11 and, and the young people who submitted questions. What would you say to a young person? who maybe they just graduated high school and they reach out and they say, Mr. Hoffman, I want to come work for you. I don't want to just come do a shadow. Like I want to come work for you. I want to come be a part of what you are currently working on or maybe something that you have built. What is it that you want to see in that 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year old when they come to you that might, that would make you go, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take a chance on this young person? What do you no, want to that, say? That, that's an absolutely fantastic question. And it's um, it's really about, uh, I'm, I'm gonna use these two words, impact and the ripple effect. Um, we wanna work with people who are going to have impact. And that impact means impact on something bigger than yourself. You know, the, the ripple effect from the, you know, the, the pebble in the pond. Mm -hmm. um, if we, if I was going to work with somebody and help you grow and help you be successful, how many other people in the world would benefit from that? If I believe that the person I'm working with is, and you have every right to do this, I mean, you just asked me a question. I also have the right to decide who I want to work with. Yes, sir. If I believe that if we worked with you and helped you grow and helped you were part of your formula for your personal success, and then if one day you were just going to build a giant house and throw parties, you know, for the same five people or whatever, you, we probably wouldn't be motivated to help you. It's the people that we believe are going to make an impact on other people. When I listen to people and, and ask them, not do you wanna be successful, whatever your dream is, but why, right? Why is this, whatever dream you're chasing, um, why is that the dream you're chasing right now? Why is it you wanna do that? So I think uh, for me, what I always listen for is impact. I, I like somebody that wants to look back one day and say, wow, I changed a lot of people's life yeah. with my life. Right. If that's your goal, those are the kind of people I love working with. So cool. And that that's, that's really what matters. So uh, the young guy, I don't know, Matt, if you've seen my social media, but like we're just uh, building a, uh, uh, I posted a thing yesterday uh, with me with some NFL players who made a donation to a, uh, schools that we run over in Africa. Yes, sir. 
And, uh, uh, you know, some of these guys uh, yeah, Mr. Ray Lewis. Are, are enabling us to build a house and school for these kids in Uganda. Um, but the beauty of that is these kids can never get out of the horrible situation they're in without an education. That's right. And without a place to live and food and health care and a school to go to, there's no way up. So that's what I've been building. But uh, some friends of mine um, donated the money to do that. And one of the guys, it, it's in my post yesterday. It's a friend of mine. You guys might be too young to know him. You can not if you know this name. But a buddy of mine played his whole career for the Baltimore Ravens. His name is Ray Lewis. One of my favorites. And I don't know if you guys all, know who Ray is. If um, you guys don't, man. Ray Lewis is a beast. One of my okay, favorites well, he of is, all But time. he's a beast as a human as well, right? He's in the 100... NFL 100 greatest players in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. But you know what Ray said the other day? He said, you know, I play, work so hard and play so hard so I can be, do things like this. That's the kind of person, right? Ray put a left a lot of blood, sweat, and tears out there, played really hard, won some Super Bowls. But you know what he thinks is cool? Because he did well and made money and has a platform now, he can help children. And so when somebody says, I work that hard in the field so I can help children when I get home, that's, we're looking for that spirit in you now. That's right. What goals do you have? Whose life do you want to make better with your life before it's all said and done? My goodness. That's so powerful, man. I, I, I'm so grateful for, so grateful for that. And that was one of the big things that I took away um, from you too in 2016 when we were down there in San Diego. And, and I don't remember the entire story, but I remember the impression that it had on me. And I remember um, you talking about, I believe it was at Priceline and you guys having kind of this goal. And I believe it had been like a quarterly goal and you would put kind of this map up where you guys were working on uh, a specific goal for one of the employees. And I think you wanted to like buy his mom a house or something like that. And you guys had, you know, it was just, but you had, you had just spoken to the fact that, um, yeah, we're doing what we're doing as an organization, but we want to create a lasting impact that has nothing to do with this organization. How can we help people? How can we help the people who are here help other people? And, and really that ripple effect, you know, and that had a huge impact on on me. I love to hear that. Um, are you familiar with a, a gentleman named Chris Roofer by any chance? R-U-F-E-R? I don't think so. Tell me. Okay. So Chris is uh, a gentleman who, as, as I came back from that event in 2016, said, okay, I'm going to start an act in here in the Sacramento area. Um, he actually reached out to me. He says, hey, you know, I want to uh, get together and, and want to have lunch. And I'm going, oh my gosh, like, you know, we're going to, this is a parent already. Like, this is going to be great. This is going to be a piece of cake. And so uh, I go to meet the gentleman and, and it was clear when I got there that, you know, he was in his late sixties. So I'm like, okay, well, he's not, I don't think he's got a, a school age child, but let's, let's see. And so he starts grilling me and going, who are you? What are you doing? Why are you starting these schools? What is it that you want to accomplish? Right. He's asking, what is the impact? Is it just for your kids? Do you want to impact the community? Do you want to impact the state? Do you want to impact the world? You know, what's going on? So he's asking me all these really, really good questions. We're about 30 minutes into this lunch. And I said, Mr. Roof, I said, you know, this is great. I love meeting you. I love these questions. Um, but I don't date older men. Um, you know, I'm happily married to a woman. And, and what are we doing? Who are you? Like, why are we here? You know, and so um, he gave me his background. And so he, he's uh, the founder of Morningstar Company, uh, which is a billion dollar a year uh, organization and, and their primary business is tomatoes. They actually grow, package, ship uh, more tomatoes just here in the Central Valley of California than all of the country of Italy. I mean, that is the primary business and he's wow. got, you know, 20 or so other companies underneath that umbrella. And 
And, um, you know, he says, I've got, you know, I've got all the money that a man can ever do. I, I couldn't spend all of the money that I have at this point. He says, but what a waste if I don't change humanity with it. Mm. If I'm not doing something to make a difference, and he says, I really love this act and model. I love what you guys are, are doing. I, I run my companies on this kind of this flat, you know, organizational uh, kind of structure. And I, I really believe in the, the hard work and the good character that Acton represents. And I just want to help it grow. And so, you know, now to this day, Chris is is my partner in what we're doing here in California. And That's he's fantastic. purchased all of our campuses for us and um, has really just helped, you know, really perpetuate uh, Acton and what we're doing globally, too. So it's guys like you that, you know, that's that impact is that's the legacy. You know, it's amazing. Um, what current projects are you i mean you have always got a million things going you're talking about these schools in uganda you got i'm curious what does your day-to-day -day kind of look like right now with everything that you have going on and then gentlemen i'll have you guys get ready because this is mr hoffman is a hero of mine that i could sit and talk to all day so I, but i want you guys to be able to have your questions so get your hands up in uh, in the chat as well because i will be calling on you here in a second but what does kind of that day-to-day -day look like for you right now sir so, you know, mine is intentionally at this point in my life, kind of all over my, all over the map. I have to say this though, uh, nothing more important than focus. Mm. Each time that I was building one of my businesses, I was only doing one thing, right? Back when we were doing the, you know, Priceline.com, Booking.com stuff. If you had called me, Matt, and said, hey, Jeff, I want to talk to you about blank. I would have said, if you don't have an idea to get more butts in beds, right? Yep. People in a hotel room, call me next year. Yep. And then later when we were doing the music company, if you would called me, I would have said, if you're not going to tell me how to fill out, sell out Friday night's concert, call me next year. Yep. When every time I was building a business, I did nothing but focused on that. And so now, but part of that is, you know, pay your dues when it's time to pay your dues, mm -hmm. right? Uh, when it was time to work, I worked, which enables me now, uh, you know, for the second half of my life to kind of do stuff that I want to do since I don't, quote, have to run a business anymore. So I'm explaining that because I don't want it to people to think that doing a million things is the way to get a, a business built. I didn't right. do this back then. Right. I do it now because I'm not running one business. But we have a mix of things. Uh, an example is uh, we're producing TV now. Um, you know, at one point I started a film company. We made some movies out in Hollywood. Now we're doing television. Um, we are uh, producing, you'll actually see because I'm also uh, starring in this show. We're producing a brand new TV show that's, that airs next month. It's called Going Public. It is just like Shark Tank, except the TV viewers get to invest, not Mark Cuban. Ooh. Right. So instead of you guys watching Mark Cuban and the sharks get richer every week on Shark Tank, you can do it. We're letting people, anybody that wants to invest in the companies we're showing, and for as little as you want, any amount, there's no minimum. And then at the end, um, I will be uh, will be airing the actual IPOs. We'll take some of them public on the stock market on NASDAQ, and we'll air those. I'll be airing those live from the NASDAQ. So uh. if you invested, you'll be able to see your investment actually turn into money when the stock goes public at the end of the season so how we're spending cool a lot that? of time filming that show right now that's amazing and where are you getting the the organizations that are coming on and, and kind of making their pitch where are these are these guys finding you or are you guys looking for them what does that look like so we we uh promoted it uh the website's going public.com 
Um, but Entrepreneur Magazine helped as well and did a lot of promotion. So companies are applying and then we research them and, and we pick companies there. Um, uh, so we're finding them from all over. They're coming from all over. You know that one of my other activities is that I am the chairman of the Global Entrepreneurship Network mm -hmm. uh, with the simple mission of teaching people how to launch businesses anywhere. But we're now on the ground. I'm proud to say we've grown that to 190 countries. Oh, it's amazing. So I uh, do business all over the world. And as a result, I work with entrepreneurs in these 190 countries. Um, so uh, people are reaching out to us from all over saying, I want to, you know, I want my company to be featured. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of my other big activities is Gen, that global entrepreneurship network and working with these companies. For example, we decided to do a, we decided there'd never been a really global pitch competition like a Shark Tank, right? Shark Tank is American companies right. on TV. So we decided to have one. Um, we just started it two years ago. This is only our third year. But last year, this was this was crazy, Matt. Last year, we had no idea what to expect. But like I told you, we're in 190 different countries. And we told entrepreneurs, young people everywhere, uh, if you want to pitch for money, and we literally gave out millions of dollars to make it life-changing money, um, we had 175,000 entrepreneurs in 200 countries apply. Holy cow. It's called the Entrepreneurship World Cup. Um, and then I judged the finals with... Uh, if any of you do watch Shark Tank, uh, Kevin O'Leary, he's Mr. Wonderful, sure. he's a friend of mine. Kevin and I judged the uh, finals. Uh, we did them, we held them just to make it fun over in Saudi Arabia. And so it was Kevin and I and the uh, sort of the Royal Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia judged with us. Um, and so we worked with innovators, entrepreneurs That's from uh, 200 different countries that applied to this. So Global Entrepreneurship Network's a lot of my time. This TV shows a lot of time. A big chunk of it is the charity work that we do with, mm -hmm. with kids around the world in the U.S. and elsewhere. So no two days of mine are ever quite the same. No um, doubt. Like, yeah, some days we're actually mentoring businesses uh, that we advise companies like an AI company that's up in Boston that we're advising on how to launch their ideas and their business. And then other days we did a thing all the way at the other end of the spectrum uh, that's also on my social media. We were doing, for kids in the U.S., the Boys and Girls Clubs, we were raising money to help us, you know, families out and children out in the worst neighborhoods in the U.S. And so we held this day we called Field Day, and we did it in the Denver Broncos Stadium at, at Mile High. And I, I have a lot of friends who play in the NFL. If you watch the video on there, they all came out. And... Uh, we did uh, just a fun day with kids who don't get to have much fun in their lives. And it was all as a fundraiser. Uh, but while we were there, uh, just for the heck of it, um, we brought a helicopter and we decided to try to beat Rob Gronkowski's record for the world's longest football catch. Oh, that's awesome. Gronk caught a pass. And this is all for charity. People donated money to this. Gronk caught a pass from a helicopter at 600 feet. Uh, so I got some friends and we went out there and... Uh, we went up to 700 feet, and uh, when we were down to the last five footballs, one of my friends, uh, Devin Funches, used to play with Cam Newton at the Panthers, and now he's a Green Bay Packers receiver with Aaron Rodgers, but he caught one with five left. Yes. Um, and so we broke Gronkowski's record. We How caught cool. a football from 748 feet, all for charity for children. A lot of people donated money to that event. 
and it was super fun. And uh, Gronk so was awesome. the first one. If you look on my Instagram, Gronk was the first one that went on my Instagram that said, "Congrats!" He was a good sport. I have no he doubt. He was like, uh, he said, uh, uh, "You know, records are meant to be broken." And then he's like, "Hey, Jeff, let's go for a thousand. That's awesome. I don't think anyone will try the helicopter thing again. But uh, anyway, so some days oh, it's so crazy good. stuff like that. But remember, we do all this to raise money for children. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you're saying so. I mean, uh, to to basically sum that up, you're like, hey, I'm changing the lives of people over here. Then we go change the lives of people over here. Then we go change the lives of people over here. There's all different formats. And what a life! Um, but to be my goal is pretty yeah. simple, which is try to do my share to leave, you know, uh, to make as many other people's lives better as I can with whatever time I have on. My mind. goodness gracious! Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it, gentlemen. We have. 22 minutes so we can honor Mr. Hoffman's time. So please um, keep it to just one question uh, and I will uh, start calling on some folks. Mr. Aiden Steinbach, go for it, sir. Mr. Hoffman, thank you so much for coming on. It's, uh, it, it, I, I, it's really difficult for me to explain just how much it means uh, coming on here. So my question for you is, uh, in light of the current geopolitical landscape, what do you view as the, um, the next paradigm shifting industries? Through the 19th centuries, we had the um, we had the oil and steel and then going into the automobile industry and now being the, the dot-com era. What do you view as the next paradigm shifting industry? Well, I, I think that there's three industries that are being rewritten and COVID just accelerated them. Uh, you know, the future of work is a huge one. Mm. What is work? What is a job? What is a career? Your generation already didn't like my generation's version of that. And then COVID changed it all. Because we found out that, that you don't have to be sitting in an office all day long to be a productive human. And as an employer, I, I sort of was, you know, lucky enough, blessed enough to already know this. But a lot of companies found out that you don't own, you can't, you're not limited to only hiring people that live near you and can drive to the office every day. You can start employing talent. My, my, one of my favorite moments of COVID was I did kind of a mastermind, like a think tank thing like this with young people. And this was the biggest one I did during this. We had people on one giant call like this from 100 countries. Mm. And I was like, come on, when could you ever do this in real life? We're talking about problems. The future of school with students from 100 different countries on one call, that's nuts. So the, the, the future of work is a big one. How will you become a productive member of the world? What opportunities are you? And as somebody that's running a business, how do you tap into talents around the world and stop worrying about age, gender, ethnicity, any of the crap that doesn't matter, just tap into people's brain. The other two industries, that's work, is we already mentioned the future of education. Mm -hmm. it, it, it really is time to completely rewrite the way we educate the world uh, because it ain't working. Um, and uh, we didn't really have an opening before because everybody had to go to school. But what changed was when everybody started doing school from home, uh, people started to realize there's other ways to learn besides the only the, the classroom only traditional way. That's right. So it's a chance to rewrite the future of school. Um, and uh, I think it's really exciting. I, I've been kind of pitching because uh, I've you know, always supported. Um, I, I don't like politics, uh, any of it. I don't know it. It's not my thing. Um, but I've su always supported uh, the White House, the president, and worked with uh, world leaders and presidents and prime ministers around the world. And I kind of always say the same thing. How are you guys sitting up there in the White House or whatever building you're in 
talking about education and there's no students in the room. That's right. Really, you're, you're going to make the same mistake again. You're going to design education and there's no kids here. Uh, so I keep breaching that. So we've been working on some initiatives around the future of education. And that's why I love things like Acton. And then the last is, uh, these are just three examples, Aiden, but healthcare, mm. um, which, which COVID raised as well. I, I think that people, well, I know this, people all over are, find, are creating new tools for you to be able to self-diagnose, self-assess in some cases. In many cases, you'll still go to your doctor or the hospital, but in some cases, even treat. Healthcare used to be only if you lived near a doctor and could go to a doctor, can somebody help you. And that left a huge percentage of the world to just die of stuff they shouldn't right. die. Of. And now with technology, uh, we're discovering that not only is there telemedicine where you can talk to a doctor no matter where you live, but there's a lot more diagnostic tools that you could use uh, you know, to diagnose and treat your own health, even if you can't get to a hospital. So. Mm. Those are massive global industries that are being completely rewritten right now. Man. And not by the people that anyone thinks would rewrite, but it's gonna be people like you guys. You guys should come up with your ideas. Don't ask, you know, the people in charge today, yep. uh, how, how they wanna fix the education system or how they wanna fix the future of work. You guys just design one that works for you. Boom. Thanks, mm. Aiden. My goodness, great, great question. Yeah, great question. Powerful, powerful response. All right, Traden Thompson. Thank you for coming on here, sir. It's kind of crazy to have someone like you on here talking to me. And so my question is, if you could have only one skill, what would it be? Oh, Traden, that's an easy one for me. It's people skills, communication mm -hmm. skills. It's you don't have to be when you look at successful people. Sometimes people see somebody, right? Like, you know, uh, they see people with a company like the one I was involved in, you know, Priceline today is, uh, was started on a, for the little group of people, it was a startup, like any little tiny company. And today it's a company that's worth about $95 billion. And people see this and they say, oh, those people must've been really smart or way smarter than me or whatever it is. When you see successful people, sometimes you think, that they just knew more than you or they're somehow smarter than you. Well, here's a big secret. The world's most successful people are not smarter than you at all. What they were smart enough to do is surround themselves with people smarter than them, right? My, for me, everything I've ever been successful in is because I didn't spend my time trying to run, create the business and do everything myself. I spent my time searching for people smarter than me convincing them to join my team and then taking really good care of them. So they didn't leave the team. Mm. So my people skills, in fact, I actually am a developer, right? My degree is computer science. One day, all of the, the developers in my company asked me to never write another line of code again. I was like, why? <laughs> they awesome. said, dude, you suck. <laughs> I said, what? They said, you're the worst coder in the whole company. I said, well, I own the company. And they said, you're still the worst coder in the company. <laughs> and I was like, well, I have the same degree as you. And they said, and yet somehow you suck and we don't. <laughs> and so I was like, I actually thought I was pretty good. I thought my code was decent. And they're like, yeah, it's not. It just took us a while to get up the nerve to tell you, stop helping us. Right? So that was my actual, what I thought was my skill. But in truth, what I wound up being good at was finding those guys. One day... Uh, I said, somebody said something to me and I say about, what do you do? And I said, 
I already did my part. I found Robert. That's the guy that told me that. I said, I'm the guy that talked Robert into working here. I just got to make sure he's happy and I'm good because he was way smarter than me. And he's the guy that built the algorithms that make companies like Priceline uh, work. So, so people brilliant. skills, your ability to communicate ideas to other humans, to, to empathize, really important. It's never about you, right? And that is a really important thing for you to realize um, that it's not about you. It's about the team. It's about the customer. It's about everybody but you. And your job is to help everybody else. I'm going to go back to that sports yeah. analogy uh, again, uh, because I was talking about my friend Ray Lewis. He, he's really tight with, uh, with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. And I was, uh, Matt, I recently did Ray's show and Peyton was on. Nice. And I was sitting and listening, thinking, what am I going to talk about after Peyton Manning? I'm the next guest, right? But I was sitting and listening. You know what they were talking about? Actually, the exact thing, same thing I just told you. They were telling stories people don't know. People don't know that Peyton Manning gave up part of his salary privately and gave it to the owner and said, please go get me these offensive linemen. Wow. I know we're over budget, so take this money out of my salary because I can't win without this O-line. And I think a lot of people don't know that Tom Brady gave up part of his salary because he wanted to keep Julian Edelman and certain receivers. Wow. Um, the, the most successful people got there because they focused on, I even have one more quick sports story. I worked, uh, uh, I spent some time helping LeBron James when he designed his school. And when LeBron went to Cleveland and everybody said, LeBron's going to win a championship. I don't know if you listen carefully, you know what LeBron said? Hmm. He said, no, 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 I can't win a championship. He said, but if you can get me Kyrie Irving at point guard, Tristan Thompson at rebounding and Kevin Love at power forward, our team can win something. He only agreed to the deal. And by the way, he gave up some of his salary. The public never knows this stuff. Wow. Because he said, I can't win a championship, but a team can. Here's what I need to do that. So your people skills, your ability to rally people to want to be around you and work with you, that's the most, if I can only pick one skill, I'd pick that. And I wouldn't even worry about my ability to actually run the business. I would just get people better than me. Wow. Wow. It's a good question. Thanks. Yeah, it's a great question. Powerful answer, you guys. That's why I, I told you guys to bring your notepads for a reason. Beautiful. Logan, you're up, sir. Thank you for coming on this call today. It means really? a lot. Like, I am only three months into this, and now I'm talking to freaking Jeff Hoffman. So, I mean, it's crazy. Um, my question for you is um, uh, I was watching some of the talks that you did, some business talks, and you said that uh, – the reason that a lot of entrepreneurs fail is because they focus on too many things. And I was wondering uh, what other walks of life can that be applied to and what other walks of life have you applied that statement to, if you have. All right, so Logan, that's a really good question. And I, I hit on it a little bit a few minutes ago when I was explaining to you guys that um, the analogy that I always use is, uh, I always tell people, and you probably heard in the talk, to go win a gold medal at something. and. You know, there's a reason that you've never seen an Olympic athlete that won a gold medal on the basketball team, then won a gold medal in track and field, and then won a gold medal in soccer, right? It doesn't happen. It's so hard to be a gold medalist at anything you do in life, anything, that you really have to focus really, really hard on that thing that you are trying to accomplish at that moment in your life. You can't win a gold medal at swimming if you don't swim every single day. So. I have honestly, Logan, applied that to everything 
that I do. When I am focused, when I pick the next thing I want to go do, I do it like I'm trying to win a gold medal. Actually, it was a funny joke for the album that we won the Grammy for that we, when we were making it, we thought no one's ever going to hear this music, right? We're just in the studio making an album, but we were like, you know what though? Let's make it like we're going for a Grammy. So you should do everything in your life that way. And, and it, it changes your attitude. If you're out mowing a lawn, right? Why would you do a half-assed job? Why don't you just do it like you're trying to win a gold medal and and, and lawn mowing? Because you know why? People with that attitude, have you ever heard this phrase, Logan? There's a saying that says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And that phrase is kind of true, right? So I always, whatever I do, I'm just like, whatever it is, I'm just going to go for it. And I'm always going to leave it all out there. Losing, don't be afraid of failing. Be afraid of not trying your hardest, right? You can get over failing. What you can't get over is walking off the field and thinking of 15 plays you didn't even hustle on. You didn't even try. You didn't even run. That'll eat away at you forever. But when you play your best, you can shrug and say, man, it just wasn't meant to be. They were, we just weren't good enough. I can live with my failures. I've had the plenty of those. But I can't live without, with not giving it everything. And so I always just sort of said, let's just take that attitude to everything you do in life, right? If you decide one day, I'm not a good brother to my sister and I want to be a better one, then you know what? Go Google how to be a better brother. Buy a book. Watch a podcast on being the best brother you can. Don't just say it. Actually do it and give it everything you have. So I think that philosophy, Logan, applies to everything you do in life. And by the way, it, 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 it really does because one of the other things on the wall behind me, it says your attitude determines your outcome. If that's the attitude you approach things, you're just going to do better than everyone else. And you know what else? The winner that's building the team, he's going to want you on his team, right? People are going to say, man, that guy just gives it his all every time he goes out. I know I'm going to get Logan's best. I want Logan on my team. I think that's that attitude. You should do it for everything. When you fail, get over it. People fail. Um, uh, and you just got to shake those things off and you can live with failure easily if you don't if you know that you gave it your best. So I think it was, a, again, thank you. That's a really good question. Powerful. And that is the attitude of, uh, I think, the attitude of champions. Uh, the people that succeed at whatever they're doing at life succeed that way because they always give it everything. That's right. Oh. You, Powerful. All right, Kaleo, we got time for a couple more, guys. Kaleo, you are up, sir. All right, thank you, sir. I'm going to pull up my question. I have a big sheet of questions that I have Grab for your favorite. all of our guest mentors. Um, okay. So, Mr. Jeff, what are you working on in your personal or professional life right now? Um, wow, that's a, that is a big question because it's a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm going to pick one, though, because the one that, that – matters the most to me uh, is something called World Youth Horizons. Um, and that is my children's charity. Um, and that is my focus to make sure that I have done everything I can to uh, leave the world a better place than I found it. Um, if I don't, you know, when you are blessed in life, right? When And, and I've been very lucky and received way more than my fair share of blessings in life. All that means is 
you're responsible for doing a lot more uh, than everybody else, right? I've got a lot more to give back uh, because I receive more than my share of blessings. What I'm working on now is making sure that I actually walk the walk. I don't want to talk about it. I want to look back and say, I tried really hard to do what I could to make as many other people's lives better as I could. So these children that we work with uh, around the world and around the country on World Youth Horizons, that uh, matters to me a lot. I actually want, you know, my favorite days ever have nothing to do with money or awards or any of that stuff. My favorite days are when some young person sends me a note that says, you just changed my life. Mm -hmm. Something that I did had a positive impact on someone else and helped them. Uh, that's, those are the most important days to me. That's the uh, uh, most important reward I can ever get. So right now I'm putting a lot of effort into making sure we're actually walking the walk and not just talking about it. Thank my, you for the question. My goodness. So good. Kartik, we have five minutes, guys, to honor his time. Kartik, you're up, sir. Uh, thank you, sir, first of all, so much for coming. This is a great experience for all of us. So my question is, you have been successful in multiple different industries. For example, you have Priceline, which is like a travel company, you're a best-selling author, a Hollywood film producer, and a Grammy winner. So my question is, instead of sticking with your first company and excelling with that company, what made you... Uh, go into different fields and different industries? Sure, that, that is a great question. It's a, it's a really simple answer. Lifelong learning. Mm. Um, what's interesting is when I left technology and I did music first, everybody said, dude, you're a software engineer. You're not a musician. You can't go in the music business. I'm going to tell all of you, ne never let anybody put you in any category or box. You are an intelligent human being they can learn music the same way that you learned technology, right? I wasn't planning to play in the band or sing. I just wanted to be in the business. So I love learning new things. And the first time I went on a movie set, we made this, uh, this bad but successful scary movie. Our first movie ever was a movie called Cabin Fever. It's like it's on oh, Netflix yeah. and Hulu and Absolutely. Voodoo right now. You'll see me die in it. Um, we went to make a movie and all my friends said, the first day I went out to the movie set, I didn't understand any of the words because they use movie words. And I was looking around and they're like, you know, what? I said, I don't understand a single word you said. They said, go home and study and come back when you know all the language. So I bought a book called Movie Terms and I really had to learn the language. And my friends were like, that must have been scary to go out there and you don't know what anyone's talking about. I was like, scary, it was exciting. How cool is it if every day you have to learn something new instead of the same old thing every day for the rest of your life? So I did this because I love learning. I feel like if I'm not learning something new, I've just, I'm, I'm starting dying. I'm on the way down right. as soon as I stop learning. I want to keep learning something all the time. That's why I keep going into new businesses because I love learning something new that I didn't know yesterday. Oh, so good. So good. All right, Parker, you've got the last one, sir. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Hoffman, for coming on here. Um, my question for you is, what, if you could only give one piece of advice to a young entrepreneur starting their first business, what would that advice be? Mm. Yeah, uh, that, is, that is an absolutely great question. Actually, you said one, and two of them came to my mind, so I want to mention them. Because the first one I already told you, which is, it's all about team. The best entrepreneur doesn't win, the best team wins. That's right. So build your network everywhere all the time. 
everywhere I go, guys, and I've been doing it since I was your age, I say to turn to people, even strangers, hey, I'm Jeff, tell me your story. I always know the time to build your team is not when you need it. It's now. Every time I've started a new business, I already know who I'm going to call because I've already talked to so many people in so many places that when we started a TV company, they're like, you don't know anything about TV. I said, actually, I got about 10 names of people that I keep in touch with that know TV. I already know who I'm going to call. Build your network, build your team every day of your life. Reach out to people and ask them to tell you their story and then keep notes. Um, That's the first one. And the second one, I told you the second one, uh, which is become a really, really good listener. Too many people are blinded by their own brilliance. I got this great idea and all you can talk about is your idea. I spent way more time out of my office trying to find customers. In the Priceline days, we used to go to the grocery store and we would change into jeans and tennis shoes and act like we were buying groceries. And we would talk to moms in the grocery store about planning the family vacation. They didn't even know we had a business. They thought I was just buying groceries. And I'd be like, so you guys traveling for the holiday weekend? And I would be doing my research and listening to everything they said because mom is the one buying the family vacation, not me. So quit being blinded by your own brilliance and go find the person you think is gonna pay you for the thing you're doing and learn how to ask really good questions and listen to the answers. Uh, Thank you. Matt, do you want to just finish the last two? I think there's only two more. Yes or um, no? Your if call. you are if you are up for it, sir, we want to honor you. So if if you Let's are just up for do it, the last two. you are the best. I appreciate it greatly. All right, last two, Aditya, you're up, sir. Thank you for coming on, sir. Uh, what is the one habit that had that has had the most positive impact in your life? Um, mine is something called uh, info sponging. And info sponging, hang on, now that I told you guys that, I realize I'm supposed to be on a call in Seattle. Let me just tell them I'll be two minutes late. Oh, um, info sponging, so that's totally my uh, uh, my mistake. I told you guys I could go a little longer. And I see that they're looking for me on this other um, It's okay, you do what you gotta do. We can all right, well, I'll just send them a quick note. We'll, we'll, we'll finish this fast. Um, the uh, uh, info sponging, is that I take, I try every day of my life to take just 10 minutes to learn one new thing that I don't need to know. And I just made up that term info sponging, but that's what I've always called it. That means that if I was studying, if, if my business was travel, then for 10 minutes every day, at the beginning of the day, the end of the day, whenever you can, I'm going to go read some story, watch some video, learn some new I'm going to learn one new thing that has nothing to do with my life today. I don't even know why I'm looking at it. It just catches my attention. Not about travel, not about the thing you're studying. Go learn something new every day. It's only 10 minutes a day from some area that if your friend said, why are you reading that? You'd be like, I don't know. It just looked interesting. I do that once a day, every single day. And that enables me to generate a lot more ideas then if you were your company was travel and all you ever did was talk about travel all day and study travel, you would never have the level of ideas of somebody that is constantly scanning the whole world to see what everybody else is doing. Mm. So that's, that's my answer to your question. I do this info sponging thing. I just learned one quick new thing a day about what someone else in the world is doing that has nothing to do with me. And those things keep floating around in your head. 
And eventually those ideas come back to you in ways you would have never thought of. Mm. All right, let's do and Antonio, let's do this last one. Last one, Antonio, go for it. Thank you, sir, for coming on today. Um, so I have one question for you. How close did you get to your childhood dreams? And if you didn't, what were they and why? Oh, no, I had one big one. That, that's an absolute great question. Um, and it happened, started in seventh grade. I'll tell you guys really quickly, and then I got to run. Um, uh, we read a, I picked for a book report, Mark Twain. And in the cover of one of Mark Twain's books, he wrote, travel is the fatal enemy of prejudice. And I was like up all night sitting in my bed trying to figure out what that meant because I just like felt it in my gut. <laughs> what I figured out was that um, Mark Twain was saying that until you get out of your bubble, your town, your, even your school, um, your neighborhood, your friends, your city, your state, until you go out and see more of the world and spend time with people who don't look like you, you're never going to be able to understand the world. And so I remember thinking in seventh grade, for me to grow up into the person I want to be someday, the man I want to grow into, I got to go see the world. And so my childhood dream was to visit 50 countries. I said, by the, by the time I die, I have visited 50 different countries. That was my dream, go see the world. But I told you guys, we had a broke single mom, four kids, and when I told my friends, they would laugh at me like, dude, what part of you're broke and your mom's broke do you not understand? You're never gonna fly around the world. But that was my dream. And so now you're sort of less surprised that I started travel companies. Um, no doubt. So I, by the way, I am not judging anybody, but the town I grew up in, all the kids I grew up in, every one of my friends is still there. They never left the Arizona desert. They didn't wanna go anywhere, do anything, not judging them, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I hadn't done something different, I would still be there with all of them. Nobody ever left our little town. And I said, I can't do this. I, I got to see the world. So uh, today I've been to, I can't remember, it's either 97 or 98 different countries. Wow. Um, and my goal of reaching 50 before I die, which hopefully is no time soon, Matt. I, I hope so as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning to hang around a little while. I still got things to do. Guys, I got to run. Yes, Thank you, you so much for setting this up, Matt. Thank you, sir. One of my favorite humans. Thank you so much. I'll reach out to you later. Um, but so grateful for you, my friend. All right. Talk soon. There he is, man. The man, the myth, the legend. Now you see why uh, we wanted to have him so bad and why we're so grateful for him taking the time uh, to pour into the young men of Apogee Strong. Go check out jeffhoffman.com. He's on IG too at Speaker Jeff Hoffman. Um, but jeffhoffman.com is really going to be the place you want to go. Uh, and if the man's written books, you want to go read books. If the man puts out new books, you want to go read the new books. And it's just somebody that you want to follow and uh, keep an eye on. So, uh, speaking of following and keeping an eye out, I appreciate you following uh, what we're doing here. appreciate uh, you pouring to the young heroes in your lives. And uh, thanks for always uh, being a big part of what we do here at The Essential 11. Check you guys later.